The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks, or should I say MMA on the Wagon, during this no-booze November that I'm almost halfway through surviving, I guess you could say. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 297 of the podcast, unless you're joining live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. That's right, folks. Reinstated on Facebook. I have no idea what happened, why the Facebook page disappeared. Um, thank you, everybody, for reaching out with messages and trying to help me figure out what happened with Facebook. I still don't know. I just know that it's back. Um, there's some kind of tyrannical force behind Facebook that just, uh, you know, they, they wield this power over us, over us mere mortals uh, who are trying to put content out uh, on the Internet. But you know, whatever happened, I I want to credit Elon Musk. I don't know. I don't know why. I just feel compelled to do that. So there's that. So. We got that out of the way. Today is uh, Sunday, November 13th. For those keeping track, I am because uh, I'm looking forward to the end of this uh, this dry month here so I could enjoy an adult beverage. Um, we're a few days removed from UFC 281, which was one of the best cards of the year, one of the best cards ever. Um we're a few more days removed from Veterans Day. Hope everyone had a very pleasant Veterans Day. Uh, as always, thank you to the brave men and women who have served our country and who are currently serving our country. You'll be veterans one day, and we can celebrate you all as well. Uh, so thank you all to those of you who are uh, willing to put it all on the line to defend the freedoms that we enjoy so much. Um. I, I guess I have to start off with some bad news. And I heard this just uh, hours before talking to all of you. Uh, we lost, tragically lost, uh, the MMA community and the human race in general. Lost uh, a fantastic human being and a spectacular athlete, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Um. I, I um I remember hearing some rumors that he was dealing with some health issues for the past year or so, um, but I didn't know the extent of it. I guess he was pretty private about it. Turns out uh, he was battling non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which is just a nasty type of cancer that attacks the bloodstream and the lymphatic system. Uh, so he was which compromises your immune system. Um, dealing with that 
during a pandemic must have been horrifying. I'm sure. Um, just just a tragic loss. I, I did have the opportunity to meet Anthony once. Uh, he was uh, he had a position with BKFC as um, a liaison between the fighters and the, the organization, which I, I thought was a great idea. Um, you know, because corporate leaders don't really know how to communicate with fighters. And as we see time and time again, fighters don't really know how to communicate effectively with corporations, uh, which is why we see them butt heads and, and misunderstand each other quite a bit. But I, I did have the opportunity to meet him at the very first bare knuckle event that I covered press wise. Um, and you won't be surprised to find out I have similar things to say about him that you'll be reading on the internet for the next few days. He was a really humble, really nice guy. Um, and it, it, it's such a terrible loss. What a, what a spectacular talent. Um, you know, f 17 knockouts. Um, every one of them a highlight reel, uh, junior college national wrestling champion. Everybody remembers the days of Rumble sucking himself down to 170 pounds, emaciating himself, <laughs> and would go on to fight all the way up to heavyweight. Um, one of my favorite Rumble Johnson moments was back in, I think, I want to say 2015 when he was meant to fight John Jones, uh, but John Jones got into some personal trouble or went to jail or something. Um, and they pranked Dana White at a press conference. They walked across the stage and they acted like they were going to start fighting while Dana was standing in between them. And Dana started freaking out. And then they both just started cracking up laughing. And it's, it's one of my favorite press conference moments of all time, but definitely one of my favorite Anthony Rumble Johnson moments of all time as well. Um, 38 years old, uh, same age as myself, um, and, and leaving his kids behind. Um, there are no words for how tragic that is. Um, and what a terrible disease he was battling. So uh, condolences to the uh, the Johnson family. Um, what a tragedy. Um, and he's going to be missed, but uh, his legacy is going to live on forever. We'll be able to enjoy uh, his fight highlights uh, for as long as this sport exists. So there's that. Uh, cheers to you, Anthony Johnson. hate to cheers with water it seems like it doesn't seem appropriate but that's all i've got going on um bear with me for this episode i'm dealing with a little bit of a a sore throat i don't know if it's if it's allergies or if it's if you guys heard the podcast last week i i took a blow to the throat a few weeks ago and it would get better and then get worse um and right now it's worse. So um, 
Uh, I'm going to do my best here. I, I couldn't skip doing an episode this week. One, because uh, I've, I've been skipping too many weeks recently. And also, I just had to talk about this card, UFC 281. Just incredible. I mean, top to bottom, th this card was great. And, of course, I have to stop. I have to start, I should say. Let me fix this. Let me get the... Where's this? Where's the screen I'm looking for? Here it is. All right, here's the card. Of course, I have to start with the biggest winner of the night. At least in my book, anyway. My buddy, Matt, the steamroller for Vola with the first round knockout. Alex, Alex Padilla wasn't the only one with a nasty left hook on this card. The steamroller putting Atman Zaitar down um, two minutes and 30 seconds into round number one. Uh, I can't tell you how happy I am for this guy. Um, one of the nicest, like, friendliest, down-to-earth people I've ever met in this sport. Um, it, the kind of person that you can't help but be happy when they experience success. Um, a highlight real knockout at Madison Square Garden for a guy who grew up uh, on Long Island, New York. Um, it, it doesn't get any better than that. He comes out to uh, some trumpet song that that some New York Mets player um, uses. I, I don't know. I don't watch baseball, but um, he's a big Mets fan, and he got permission from the Mets organization to use this song. Comes out in front of his hometown crowd. Has, you know, knocks the guy unconscious. Jumps on top of the cage. Uh, just on cloud nine was the steamroller. And I, I couldn't be happier for the guy. Um, again, just such a great dude. You, you love to see people like that experience success and um you know the ufc put this fight together for a reason it was supposed to happen two years ago um you guys probably heard me talk about this last week but it was during covid when ufc was doing all their events on yaz island in um you know they had to rent their own island and test everybody who came in and out of it so these two were supposed to fight, and then I I, I want to say it was right after the weigh-ins, they caught on camera Zaitar climbing out the balcony of his hotel and climbing onto the balcony of the neighboring room with a bag of something. Um, you can only assume it was like an IV or something to rehydrate, um, you know, something not allowed. He said it was potatoes in the bag. We all know it was not potatoes. Uh, so he was cut from the UFC. And then Frivola was forced to fight at the last minute uh, Armand Saryukian um, in a completely different stylistic matchup. And, um, you know, fighter that he is, he took the fight on whatever it was, 18 hours notice or something. Uh, so this fight finally happens, and uh, the steamroller steamrolled. Um, so happy for him. Um I was ecstatic after that. I, I didn't even care. I didn't even care what happened the rest of the card. And then the rest of the card wound up 
being amazing. 14 fights. We only had, I don't know, one or two duds, mostly finishes. Let's start at the top because there's just so much to get into here. Alex Padilla, eight fights in MMA. He's now seven and one, and he is your middleweight champion. Takes out Israel Adesanya, who is at the top of many people's lists for best pound-for-pound fighter. Um, what's interesting about this and what's interesting about MMA fans in general is you had a lot of people clamoring for this fight as soon as Perea came into the UFC. So the UFC fast-tracks him. He does three fights or, or whatever it was. Knocks out everybody. And we're like, okay, let's do this fight. Um. And Adesanya was winning the fight. I, I think you all would probably agree with that. I had it I had it three rounds to one going into that final round. And uh, Perea knew he was down. And he comes from behind and is able to catch Adesanya with about 15 of those devastating left hooks uh, unanswered. And I got to say... Most of you know I'm not a fan of Mark Goddard. He's just, um, I I just find myself disagreeing with him so frequently, and not to mention just the bizarre things he's done over the years. Um, but all that aside, my immediate reaction was it was an early stoppage. Then I watched it in slow motion, and I thought. All right, that was a good stoppage. And I watched it again in slow motion. I was like, wait a second. He was still kind of he was still kind of there. I love what Adesanya said in the in the press conference too. He said, "Bring back Steve Mazzagatti. I would have been fine." <laughs> Which is I guess an inside joke um for anyone who's been watching the sport for less than 5 years, but Steve Mazzagatti was a referee who was known for letting guys just take bludgeonings like long after they were unconscious. Um, so I thought that was funny, but um, it, it was nice that he was able to joke in the situation. I mean, here's a guy who across two sports, he's lost to three times now. Um, and a guy who he was beating rather handily. Um, I mean, he, he was looking good in a clinch. His grappling, his ground control looked good. Um, but back to the point I was trying to make, everybody's clamoring for this fight as soon as Padilla shows up in the UFC and everybody wants to see it. So it happens. He knocks out Adesanya in the fifth round. And now all you see is people saying like, well, if he goes against a wrestler, like it's going to be bad for him. It's like, but you all are the ones that are the reason he's in this position because everybody was asking for this fight. Everybody wanted to see him fight Adesanya. He fought him. He beat him. And now you're saying like, oh, well, he doesn't deserve to be the champion. If it's... Sorry, folks. Looks like my microphone got muted for a second there. I don't know what happened. I got excited. It must have knocked out the cable. Anyway, you all are the reason he's in this position. He just knocked out, you know, 
who a lot of you consider to be uh, the top pound for pound fighter in the world. Um, and now everyone's like, oh, well, as soon as somebody wrestles him, he's done. That's not how this works. <laughs> you don't get to do that. You don't get to say, we want to see this guy fight the champ. We want to see this guy fight the champ. And then he beats the champ and you're like, but he's not good enough to be the champ. He is. <laughs> he won the fight. That's, that's what happens. That's what happens. All right. Mark says ESPN muted me because they thought I was swearing. And we had a lot of that uh, on the card last night. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Facebook muting me again. They just took my page down again in the middle of the podcast. Would not surprise me in the least. So here's my thoughts on Alex Perea. He's the scariest fighter on the roster. I mean, period. You, you can't convince me anybody scarier than this guy. Because here he comes against Israel Adesanya, one of the top fighters in the world, one of the top middleweights of all time. This dude has ice in his veins. He looks like he looks like he's never smiled. He's got these giant forearms. He looks like a praying mantis that can knock you unconscious with one punch. It, it, it looks like it looks like the guy's never laughed at a joke in his life. Like his only purpose on earth is to destroy things. You know, and you could tell me yeah. Oh, what about Francis Ngannou? He's got he's got more knockout power. It's like, yeah, but I I wouldn't be nervous to be in a room with Francis Ngannou. Like, I don't think he's just gonna walk through a room and start clubbing people. You know, it, it, there are pictures of him like smiling and joking around and playing with children. I I don't see. I I I would more likely see Alex Perea eating children um, uh, than, than playing with one or laughing with one. This man is terrifying. I don't care if you can wrestle. I, I, I don't think he's a huge underdog against anybody uh, in this division. And I, I feel like I'm alone in this, but that, that power that this man has is the greatest equalizer. Yeah, we got a lot of great grapplers. We got Robert Whitaker. We got Marvin Vittori. We got, you know, Jack Hermanson. We got a lot of people who could grapple. A lot of people who could probably take him down. Derek Brunson. You know, Derek Brunson could could whistle at him and take him down. But I still would not count this man out of a fight with anybody based on what I just saw last night. And I don't know how any of you could either. I don't understand all the claims like, oh, well, he shouldn't be the champion because he can't beat a wrestler. Um, it, you know, you, you can't you can't convince me of anyone in this division you could put in there with him who's a sure thing. You can't. Because Adesanya should have been a sure thing. You know, if you look at it on paper, 
He's more well-rounded. He's got more skills. He's got three times as much experience in MMA. And he, he has way more experience with championship rounds in MMA. That didn't matter. Padilla almost got knocked out in the first round. Uh, he was on ice skates right at the end of that round. Comes back, wins the next round, then essentially gets dominated in the third. Is forced to grapple the whole time. Can't stand back up. Uh, doing all the wrong things to try and get back up, too. Um, and, and then loses the fourth round as well. Comes out in the fifth, and that power is still there. It's still there. So if you're going to tell me, like, oh, he can't beat a wrestler, I'll tell you, yes, he can. Because somebody could wrestle him for four and a half rounds, and then guess what? That left hook is still attached to his body. He still has that nasty power. Let's see. Our friend at Cook's Auto World. I'm still trying to decide who's scarier. Alex or Prime Mike Tyson? Yeah, Prime Mike Tyson was a scary dude, especially because you never knew what he was going to do. The unpredictability of Mike Tyson at that time was what made him even scarier. I mean, the fact that he was knocking guys out um, with those big boxing pillows on his hands um, in 90 seconds was scary enough. But the fact that like you didn't know what the hell a guy was going to do at any given time, that's the X factor there. But I got to say, Alex Padilla is the scariest fighter on the UFC roster. And you'd have a hard time convincing me otherwise. And Mark says, if you pick Padilla over Whitaker, I'll just remember your pick of Carla, Carla Esparza over Whaley. So I, I'm not picking... Padilla over Whitaker. I'm just saying I don't think there's anybody in the division he can't beat. I'm not saying he will beat everyone, but I don't think there's a person in that division that he doesn't have the potential to knock into the shadow realm. Would I think Whitaker would be a favorite against him? Probably. But I, I thought Adesanya would be too. So, but here we are. And I'll tell you what, folks. I like to think of myself as a, as a, as a fairly selfless person. But here's something I want to put out into the universe that I want selfishly. Because I know that Adesanya deserves a rematch with Alex Padilla. I mean, even though you can make the final destination argument, it's like, well, he's fought the guy three times and we've all had more or less the same result. Given his legacy in the UFC and what he's accomplished, he deserves a rematch. But do you know what I want to see even more? I want to see Alex Padilla move up to light heavyweight and fight Yuri Prohaska. That's the fight I want to see. The guy with ice in his veins against 
just a total wild striking madman. And we know Padilla is too big for 85. I don't think he can make this cut many more times. So moving up is inevitable. And I know Prohaska is fighting Glover in the rematch. I'm not counting Glover out of that fight. So don't put words in my mouth. But that's what I want to see. I want to see Alex Padilla and Yuri Prohaska. And I would pay good money to watch that fight. Think about it. Think about how fun that fight would be. Just spinning elbows and flying knees and left hooks and just war cries. In all kinds of languages. It would be amazing. Just think about it. That's all I'm saying. I would love to see a rematch between Perea and Adesanya. I think, you know, Adesanya deserves it, like I said. I think it would be another fantastic fight. But man, I would really love to see Perea and Prohaska. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Let me know if I'm the only one here. But I mean, congratulations to Alex Perea. I mean, the dude still looked angry. They put the UFC belt on him, and he still looks like just, uh, you know, he, he just looks like ready to drown puppies. You know, it's it's like I don't think anything can make the guy smile, and um, that's intriguing to me. I think he, I think he's a, he's a spectacle, for sure. And I, I, I really admire the way Adesanya is handling the defeat as well. Super humble. Um, I, I thought his his post fight press conference was perfect. Um, you know, he he lost as graciously as you could lose, um, in, in such a high profile fight. So, you know, credit to the champ, Adesanya, taking that loss like a true champion. All right, you guys don't have to rub it in. I got the co-main event wrong. I was leaning towards Carlos Barza. I thought with the ease that Rose Nam Yunus was able to take down Wiley Zhang, you know, maybe there was a chance Esparza would be able to hit a few early takedowns, build her confidence, and then ride out a decision. I was wrong. It happens. It happens. Happens to the best of us. I just had a feeling. And, you know, maybe it was just gas. Anyway, Wiley Zhang, strawweight champion once again, submitting Carla Esparza with a nasty crucifix-style rear-naked choke. Didn't have the hooks in. Just had her by the neck and by the arm. Um had her arm wrapped between her legs and got that choke in right under her chin. It was um, interesting. Very interesting. They're still calling it a rear naked choke. It was more like a, it was more like a side naked choke. A crucifix naked choke. I don't know. We got to name this. The Zang strangle. What do you guys want to go with? 
Anyway. Um, good fight. It was a good fight. And and I'll be honest, I, I was expecting it to kind of like take the wind out of the sails of this card after Poirier and Chandler. Because how do you follow that? That fight was incredible. Both guys, I think, were knocked out at some point. Both guys were on top at some point. Both guys were bleeding heavily. Both guys looked hurt. Both guys had to dig deep. Dustin Poirier dug just a little bit deeper. Michael Chandler hit that explosive high crotch uh, that he that he also hit on Justin Gaethje. And what Gaethje did when Chandler lifted him up like that was what's called a leg pass, where he reached over Chandler's back and grabbed his leg as Chandler was slamming him down, which helped him reverse it. Poirier kind of attempted to do the same thing. He just he just couldn't reach. It's a very athletic move. It's a very advanced wrestling technique. Um, if I had to tell you the amount of hours you need to spend in a wrestling room to get the timing and and the technique down for that particular maneuver, um, especially because you have to drill it at full speed. It's not one of those things where somebody can show you, you know, like a jujitsu move and you can practice it slowly and slowly and slowly. And then, you know, work your way up to real time. It's one of those things where you won't get it unless you do it full speed. Um, so Poirier goes for that, but it, didn't reach and didn't have the angle right, but is able to scramble on top anyway, takes Chandler's back and just slips in the body triangle so smooth. And then he's able to get the rear naked choke, submits Michael Chandler. And I just need to look up because, yeah, I could have looked it up sooner, but yeah, first time Michael Chandler has ever been submitted. I was I was actually surprised to see him tap. I not that I I thought Poirier didn't have the submission skills, but Michael Chandler is just one of these guys who's been in deep deep submissions and just will not tap. Like he'll let you rip his arm off, he'll let you put him to sleep. Um, I thought he would have elected to just go out because that's the kind of fighter Michael Chandler is. Uh, but no, tapped. Huge win for Dustin Poirier. Man, how tough is that, dude? And Chandler was fighting a good fight. You know, he was mixing in the wrestling like a lot of people were calling for. Um, you know, there were times when, in a lot of the striking exchanges, though, Poirier was just out of reach. You know, he was sticking the punches in Chandler's face and, and Chandler was trying to throw those tight hooks and just wasn't close enough. But, oh, man, what a fantastic fight. Fight of the night, I believe. Um, and and well-deserving. It's it's a shame for the people at the bottom of the card because the, the top of the main card 
it, you know, the bonuses have to go out there, but hopefully uh, Dana White did the, did the right thing and took care of some of the other fighters on this card, like Matt Frivola specifically. Um, I hope I hope there was a couple extra zeros on his paycheck. Um, Chris Gutierrez knocks out Frankie Edgar in the first round. And um, what I had said last week when I saw this was Frankie Edgar's retirement fight was just why, you know, why are we doing this? Um, and then the other part of me was like, yeah, we're going to get to see Frankie Edgar one more time at Madison Square Garden, right in his own backyard, kind of, as a Tom's River, New Jersey boy. Speaking of Jersey boys, Jeff DeAnima Wilson uh, couldn't join this evening because uh, I got back kind of late from, I, was, uh, I had a work event going on today um, that I had to take care of. And I just kind of texted Jeff at the last minute, but he wasn't around. I did send him a link, so he may, uh, he may appear and make a cameo. Who knows? But I'll, I'll take the blame for Jeff not being on the show. I was working all weekend, and um, yeah, maybe that's why I'm. That's maybe that's why my voice is going too. All right, so Gutierrez. I mean, it was a nice knee. Frankie walked into it. It looked like he was going for a level change just at the exact wrong moment. And um, Gutierrez uh, capitalized on it. Um, Frankie Edgar has had such a legendary career. I mean, being the lightweight champion for a guy who walked around at 155 pounds is one of the most badass things in the history of this sport. Um, and if you looked at him in there, he looks so much smaller than Chris Gutierrez. It, it's amazing that this guy fought at 155 pounds. He would have been fighting guys like Matt Frivola or like Jalen Turner. What is that guy? 6'3", 6'4"? Could you imagine Frankie Edgar fighting him? <laughs> Incredible that he was able to do that. You know, and then he had title runs at 45. And then when he dropped down to 35, he was in there. He was in the conversation for a little while. He was competitive um, because he's a competitor. And he's one of the greatest competitors the sport's ever seen. Uh, one of the best at mixing boxing and takedowns together. Just so smooth. His footwork in and out of the pocket throughout his career is something that should be studied by young fighters going forward um, forever. Uh, that, that's something that will always be uh, useful tools. And being 41 years old and fighting at this weight class is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, you know, the higher weight classes, you know, I, I say this all the time. If you're 41 and you decide you want to be a Bellator heavyweight champion with no training, like it's in the cards. You can start today. 
So all you 41-year-olds out there who are about 260 pounds, like, you know, start hitting a heavy bag tomorrow. It could be it could be in the cards for you. But as far as these lighter weight classes go, once you get past 35, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't do this anymore. It's time to time to look into something else. You gotta you gotta get a job. You know, you start a career. You can't keep doing this forever. So the fact that Frankie Edgar got in there at 41 years old, two weight classes below where he started is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, what what a phenomenal career. Here's another one I got wrong, folks, when I was thinking about this one. Dan Hooker, uh, TKO over Claudio Puelas. Um, I was thinking, you know, Puelas is so good with those leg locks and Dan Hooker has those long legs. So I, I was thinking Dan Hooker was going to be in some trouble here. You know, we've seen him get submitted in the past. And um, he was in a deep leg entanglement in that first round wasn't even necessarily doing all the right things to get himself out of it, but got out of it anyhow. Um, and then it was all downhill for Puelas after that, not just because he was getting beat up, but it was downhill because he just kept sitting to his butt. And it's 2022. We, we can't have this at this level anymore, you know? And I, I feel a little guilty being so hard on him because he is from Peru, um, which is where my wife and her family hail from. Uh, so, you know, obviously my daughter's half Peruvian. So that little nationalistic part of me was, you know, kind of pulling for the Peruvian fighter, but, I'll tell you all this. My daughter will never be a guard puller. All right. That's not going to happen. So listen, Claudio, you want to make your way to the States up here. I'm happy to help, help a, a, a countryman of, of my wife's uh, family and, uh, and, and work on some wrestling with you because you got to, you got to drag people to the ground uh, if you want to if you want to play that ground game. Don't just sit down in front of them. What are you doing? You're like sitting down like you're going to like you're going to watch Sunday night football. Like what are we doing here? You can't you can't just you can't just sit down in front of people when you're in a fight. Claudio Let's get it together. Let's get it together, man. Come on. I need you. I need you to represent for the Peruvian people. All right. Rant over. Great win for Dan Hooker. Um, just nasty. Working the body. Such a smart move. And then, you know, in that second round, when he was really letting his hands go, um, he just showed that he was he was leaps and bounds ahead of where Puelas is in terms of his MMA striking. And, you know, he was able to grab some nice submissions against uh, Clay Guida and, uh, and Gritzmacher. 
Um, those are, those are two guys that are not easy to submit. You know, they're up there with Michael Chandler in terms of, you know, fighters who, you know, you typically got to rip something off and take it home to get the submission. But yeah, striking's got to come a long way. The wrestling's got to come an even longer way because we can't just be, we can't just be sitting down in front of people. Um, Hanato Moicano, man. This dude, uh, first of all, he had the best, uh, he had the best post-fight speech. I don't even remember Moicano like speaking English before, but I'll remember this post-fight speech. He's like, fucking Joe Rogan, you motherfucker. I fucking love you and fuck this and fuck that and fuck everybody and fuck me. And, and uh, <laughs> give me some fucking respect and all of this, like while he's on ESPN. And I, I guess some people were saying it was bleeped out, but um, I, I heard all of it on my ESPN plus, which w- obviously was acting like trash last night. I don't know if, if the rest of you got this, but um, I was getting like these screenshots across the screen that was um, it was showing. I can show you here for those of you on the uh, on the video broadcast here, if I can. All right, maybe I can't. Never mind. But it, it was it would say like host name and like a bunch of like internet jargon ip address and then you know blocking the whole picture and it happened uh i think it happened right before the main event even so espn plus uh, we're how many years into this relationship with the ufc and it's still garbage like I can't imagine this. I don't watch any other sports, but I can't imagine this is happening during an NBA game or during, you know, football or tennis or whatever the fuck else they have on here. But yeah, horrible, but great win for Hanato Moicano. I guess Dan Mergliata had to wait for the third tap from Brad Riddell. Um, I don't know what Riddell was doing uh, because it wasn't defending the choke. Like he got, he got put in the choke and he was just kind of there not tapping. Moicano went from the modified grip back to the traditional grip on the choke. Um, then Riddell tapped Mergliata just kind of stared at him. Like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do when you, when you tap his arm like that? Um, then I think he tapped again. And then it was like the third time after doing nothing to fight the hands or defend the choke. Um, taps for the third time and Mergliata decides, all right, that's enough. And you tap three times. I know you're serious. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Mark says he wants me to refrain from swearing. He finds it offensive. The fuck I will. The fuck I will. Hanato Moicano got me so fired up with that post-fight speech. He said he listens to Joe Rogan's podcast every day. Um, so this next one, 
Ryan Span knocks out Dominic Reyes. First of all, we got to criticize uh, Ryan Span for missing weight here. That's that sucks. That's unprofessional. Um, you know, these are big boys, but you know, you got to make the weight. I mean, if if Alex Perea can can cut I I think he cuts I want to say 113 pounds. I think I'm close on that. 112, 113, something like that. Cuts a crazy amount of weight. Ryan Spann, you got to make the weight, man. So this was not even a win at light heavyweight. This was a catchweight win, but... uh, Knocks out Dominic Reyes basically with a jab. Um, Now, Reyes had kind of leaned into it a little bit, which, which makes it worse, but... Man, there's got to be some sting on that jab from Ryan Spann. And then he comes out and says, like, yeah, this is the first fight I really trained for. (laughs) And even Joe Rogan, who's like, you know, when he's not doing a UFC, he's talking to, like, astrophysicists and, like, world-famous comedians and actors and all these people. He didn't even know what to say to Ryan Spann saying he's like what do you what do you mean you don't train he's like yeah i never trained more than like three weeks for a fight before but i trained for this one i feel pretty good (laughs) um so yeah i mean that's a scary thing because ryan span's been knocking dudes out like crazy and the the story going into this was like dominic reyes was the one who's gotten his shit together uh, and he was in a good headspace but you know, quietly, Ryan Spann was the one um, who was reaping the benefits of of getting his shit together, except for making weight, of course. Then we had total domination, Aaron Blanchfield over Molly McCann. And I have heard on good authority that Aaron Blanchfield is an absolute beast in the blue basement at Henzo Gracie's in New York City. I have heard firsthand accounts of her um, doing a lot of damage down there. And it's very evident. Her grappling is legit. Her level change, ducking under the strike of Molly McCann, taking her down, just brutalizing her. Brutalizing her. She was battering this girl. Um with the you know the crucifix and the elbows and the hammer fists and then finally gifted her a submission a way out because that was going to be a long round on the bottom for molly mccann if she didn't get out of that situation so um and let's see how many uh how many wins is this for aaron blanchfield Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in a row. Her only loss is a split decision to Tracy Cortez, and that was in 2019 in Invicta. Pretty much all of her fight experience has been in Invicta or the UFC. All right, four wins in a row in the UFC. Mark says he wants to see her in there against Valentina. I 
I mean, I, I think I need one or two more. I need one or two more. I mean, give me Aaron Blanchfield and Mackenzie Dern. That's a fun fight. I would love to see that. That's like a that's like a grappler's dream. Very different kind of grappling, though. You know, Aaron has like a a ground and pound, like grind you out style uh, style of grappling. And Mark's rebuttal is who else deserves a title shot? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, we can't just keep serving up uh we can't keep serving up victims to Valentina just because there's nobody else. I don't know what we do here. Luckily, it's not my problem to solve. Andre Petrosky unanimous decision over Wellington Terman. Um uh, this was just a one-sided fight. Petrosky just took Terman down and controlled him, beat him up, and that was that. Obviously, we talked about my boy, Matt Frivola. Uh Carolina Kovalkiewicz and Silvana Gomez-Juarez. This was not a hard fight to score as far as I'm concerned, but this was the fight where the Athletic Commission had some confusion. Now, if you guys didn't catch the prelims, basically... Bruce Buffer was about to announce a winner and then the commissioner runs into the ring and starts like pulls Bruce Buffer aside, starts scribbling things on the scorecard and like drawing arrows and crossing shit out and um, moving names around. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to some good memes uh, featuring the commissioner, like rewriting the scorecard like just on camera where the, and the cameraman's zooming in on it. Um, I don't know what was going on there, but luckily uh, the decision went the right way. A good win for Carolina Kovalkiewicz who showed some good grappling uh, actually in this fight. And, you know, Gomez Juarez was coming out aggressive in the first round. You know, she was swinging for the fences and, Kovalkiewicz stayed patient. She stayed right in the pocket. Um, she picked her shots and then, um, you know, showed some good grappling, like I said. Mike Trezano, first-round knockout over Sungwoo Choi. This fight was pretty crazy because they had um, they had both knocked each other down. Um, like one of those double knockout videos you see on the internet sometimes. And... Um, Trezano got up and then he was able to land the knockout punch. Um, good for him. Also a New Yorker, I believe. So, you know, the New Yorkers were, were on fire at Madison square garden, special energy in the air. I, I suppose Montel Jackson, unanimous decision over Julio Arce and Carlos Olberg with a first round knockout over Nikolai Negamorano. So overall, what a phenomenal card. Just so good. So good. I um back in the day watching um UFC pay-per-views, I had like a certain criteria when I was watching the pay-per-view that I wanted to fill. And basically what 
what I had to decide was, would I buy this card on DVD when it comes out? Obviously, I'm talking about many moons ago. You know, I would think about how the card went. I'd be like, ah, well, there was that really cool submission on the prelims. Uh, you know, I would love to have the DVD of that. But then on the main card, like Randy Couture lost. I'm not going to buy the DVD. If we're talking about like back in the blockbuster days, I would definitely buy the DVD for UFC 281. You know, if I didn't have like a streaming service where I could watch these fights whenever I want going forward. But yeah, I, I'd say it's a front runner for card of the year for sure. For sure. I mean, I'd have to sit down and, and think about it, but yeah, front runner. All right, real quick. I don't want to keep you guys too long. I know you got stuff to do. And plus, my voice is killing me. So, um, next week, the heavyweights at the apex, these guys, there's barely going to be room for a referee in this fight. Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. Um, this is a fun fight. I have a hard time picking against Derek Lewis uh, unless the fight is in Texas. Like, as long as that guy doesn't fight in Texas, he may never lose again. But, um, yeah, he probably shouldn't fight there anymore, especially in Houston. It just doesn't go well for him. Houston, we have a problem. Derek Lewis doesn't win fights here. But, yeah, this will be a good one for sure. Uh, then, co-main event, we got Kennedy and Zed Shaku. And Ion Kutalaba. Now, Kutalaba has had a rough go of it lately. And, you know, he just got finished in September by Johnny Walker. Submitted in his last two fights. Um, so, it makes sense that they're putting him in there with Nzechiku, who is probably not going to grapple with him. Um, we're, we're, we're probably going to get a really awesome stand-up war out of this fight, and I'm excited about it. Uh, Chase Sherman um, going against another young undefeated heavyweight, Waldo Cortez Acosta. And I say young, but this is heavyweight, so let me, uh, let me pull up. Hey, he's 31. All right, yeah. That's like a spring chicken in the heavyweight division. Coming off of a win... Over Jared Vandera, like, what, three weeks ago? <laughs> it was on the Calvin Cater Arnold Allen card. That's like just happened two weeks ago. Yeah. All right. Andre Fialo and Muslim Salikov. That's a fun fight. Cody Brundage and Rodolfo Vieira. Hopefully uh, Vieta has gotten like the uh, the conditioning and everything like that under control. Um, you know, managing his energy for MMA. Of course, world-renowned jiu-jitsu practitioner. Um, so that'll be a fun fight. Because, you know, Cody Brundage, 
Very well-rounded. Coming off a knockout win. And a submission win in his last two fights. So that's a good one, too. This is a sneaky good card, guys. Jack Della Maddalena and Danny Roberts. Jump around here. Jennifer Maya, Marina Morose. That's a fun fight. Vince Morales and Miles Johns. That's a good one. Vanessa Demopoulos is fighting. She won't have... Uh, I wonder who's going to be doing the interview if she's going to jump in, jump in their arms too. Um, yeah, it's a fun little card. I mean, it, it's a tough act to follow with UFC 281. You know, we're all going to be a, a little bit hungover, so to speak, next weekend. But um, this is a fun, fun card for sure. For sure. All right, folks. It's been real, but my voice is killing me. I've been doing this solo for an hour now, so it's not going to be feeling much better after this. Um, I can't even use any whiskey to to uh, to soothe myself because of this uh, no booze November thing. It's awful. My skin is so clear. I feel more focused, more more in the moment all the time. It's awful. All right. Uh, if you want to get yourself some MMA on the rocks merchandise, you can do so through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMA Rocks10. Save yourself 10% off your entire order. Whether you're buying our merchandise or not, get yourself an over-the-top under the influence t-shirt, tank top, tank top, or hoodie. It's hoodie season, folks. Order two of them because you know your girlfriend's gonna steal one. So grab yourself two. A little uh, early Christmas gift to yourself. Uh, or you can uh, support some local fighters and, and buy their merchandise, buy some training gear. They have, they have all kinds of great stuff on there. And that's all I got, everybody. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.